yeah, because I don't know about you, but I grew up this whole concept that, that my Christian walk was, was an absolute disaster because it was all about do, 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 and don't, don't, don't. And it was all about what Jesus says and what Jesus does say, and, and, and it was religious, and I never felt good enough, and I never felt uh, like I could never accomplish all these things that apparently that I needed to do. And so I just hated this so-called Christian life. I just couldn't play that silly game anymore of do this, don't do that. And so I, I walked away from God for a, for a wee while. And, um, and the reason is, is because I thought it was all about what he says and what he doesn't says. And what I failed to understand was when it comes to following Jesus, it's actually all about relationship. It's not about what he says and what he doesn't say. It's about being in relationship with him. And so this morning, I, I want you to erase from your memory banks every single thing that you think you've ever been taught about following Jesus. Because most of us have been taught a religious following Jesus or a legalistic following Jesus. Not what Jesus actually teaches is following Jesus. And I believe that through this message and through the course of the series, that the load that you carry, the burden that you carry of, I've got to pray more and I've got to read my Bible more, I've got to do this and I've got to do that, all that Jesus says, stuff would just lift off your life, because the Bible says this, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, and, and I just see way too many followers of Christ or people that want to follow Christ just find it so hard and so difficult that it becomes burdensome, and then they just give up, because it's just too hard to keep up with the Jesus says. So I want you to eliminate, I want you to delete right now everything you've ever been taught about what it means to follow Jesus. So put your finger on your head right this right now and go, delete. Come on. Delete. Because when I read the Gospels, everything about this relationship with Jesus Christ is relational. It's everything about it. In fact, even Jesus said this, I came so that you can understand the Father. He says, I came so that you could understand what he's like, what sort of person he is, how he functions. It, it's, it's a relational thing. And if, if we're not, if, if we're doing anything um, other than relational when it comes to following Jesus, then we are caught up in a legalistic, religious, uh, tick your boxes. I went to church, I read my Bible, I prayed this week, I gave him my tithes, you know, and, and we fall into this trap of a Jesus says instead of a relational uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're like, man, how do you have a relationship with God? Well, we're going to cover that as we go through this series because everybody says that, but what does that look like? And unfortunately, we've been taught that a relationship with Jesus Christ is really all about how much we pray, how much we read our Bible, how much we do this. And yes, that is part of it, but it's not the be-all and the end-all. It's not, it's not like God looks down and says, well, you know what, we can't have a relationship because you only prayed for 10 minutes today and you only read your Bible for half an hour. Once you get up to praying an hour a day and reading your Bible an hour a day, then you and I can maybe start talking. That's, that's what we believe. We're constantly striving all the time to do more of what we believe Jesus says rather than what Jesus says to do. And I'm hoping that as we go through this, that you'll see that if it is anything, if your Christianity is anything but, anything less than a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we have missed something really, really huge when it comes to Him. 
And so as I start looking through the Gospels and I start reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because to me they're the, they're the books that are the guideline of how to follow Christ. And, and you know, I know there's other stuff and other, but you know, we can see it for real as Jesus led his disciples what it looks like to follow Christ. The thing that I see, the word that jumps up over and over and over again when it comes to the Gospels and when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ is this word follow. This word follow. In fact, Jesus would quite often say, follow me. And the invitation was to all sorts of different kinds of people, rich, poor, um, you know, young, old, religious, non-religious. He, he, he just had this whole thing where he just, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. And I want us to have a look at one of the first people that he asked to come follow, because I believe that there's some lessons that we can learn from the story in the book of Matthew and the cool thing about the book of Matthew is the book of Matthew is written by Matthew and he writes it about himself. That's <laughs> this thing is so funny. <clears throat> and so we're going to start in the book of Matthew in chapter 9, verse 9. Are you with me today? Are you looking forward to this? All right, let's do this. And Jesus went from there and saw a man named Matthew. This is Matthew. It's all me. It's cool. Sitting at the tax collector's booth because he was a tax collector. I love Matthew, because first of all, the book is written by Matthew, so it's about Matthew, but he just wants you to know that it's about Matthew by saying that it's Matthew. And just in case you didn't realize that as he's sitting at the tax collector's booth, that means that he's a tax collector. I love Matthew because he, he, he's, he's basically saying, you and I are all simple, and he needs to explain things to us. And so there he is, Matthew, a tax collector. Now, to understand, I mean, I know you and I probably have, uh, if you work for the Inland Revenue Department, then may the blessing of God be upon you, and may you always look kindly upon my IRD number. But most of us do not really like tax collectors that much, but we don't really understand when it says tax collectors here in Scripture what tax collector really means. I mean, the only way that I could uh, give you an idea of the hatred that the Jews had for the tax collector would be to say, uh, it'd probably be how you would feel about a 20-something-year-old man selling your kids pee around the back of the school hall while they're at primary school. A guy like that, you kind of want to introduce yourself to him um, and explain to him that the Bible says that blows from a friend cleanses away evil. And if your right hand causes you to sin, let me help you chop it off. Um, that's how you would feel about that kind of guy. And this is the feeling they had about tax collectors, because tax collectors were this. They worked for the Roman government. So what would happen is the Roman Empire said, we're going to collect taxes. And what they would do is they put it up for tender that you could buy a tax collecting business. And then people would buy this tax collecting business, because basically, as long as you gave whatever... Uh, Rome wanted from the taxes, you could claim whatever else you wanted. So say Rome decided they wanted 50 cents per person for breathing. Well, you could charge $5 per person for breathing, keep the $4.50 and give the 50 cents to the Roman Empire because that's, that, as long as they got their cut, they didn't care what you charge. And so it was very lucrative, so they would put it out for tender and people would buy the business of tax collecting and then they would go to a local town like this town where Matthew is and they'd employ Jews to work for them 
and they would make it so financially viable for them. So say the Roman tax was a dollar, then, then the person that owns the business would charge $2, and then the tech, local tax collector would then make it $4, and he'd take a cut. And so you can imagine the Jews here, they hated the tax collectors because the tax collectors worked for Rome, and not only did they work for Rome, but they were stealing and ripping off their own people. Sounds a little bit like the government. Um, ripping off their own people. And so Matthew was a tax collector, and man, they hated them. They had nothing to do with tax collectors. I mean, they were like the most hated people on the face of the planet when it came to, uh, you know, the Jews. Now, Jesus could have said all sorts of things to Matthew. He could have said to Matthew things like, your mother must be so proud of you. Yeah? But he doesn't. Jesus was a rabbi. You've got to understand that rabbis were held very high in society in their time. In fact, Jewish boys would grow up, and by the age of 13, they would know the first five books of the Bible off by heart, and their goal was to become a disciple of a rabbi. And if you didn't become a disciple of a rabbi, you ended up being a fisherman or shepherd or something else. But to become a follower, become a disciple of a rabbi is a very highly esteemed thing. And so the fact that Jesus is even rocking up there is just crazy because the verse goes on and it says that uh, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth because he was a tax collector. And Jesus said, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, you can imagine what the disciples are doing right now, yeah? The guy, he didn't really have his 12 right now, but he had people following him. They'll be like, um, Jesus, um, we don't, we don't, we don't do tax collectors. <laughs> it's, you, you, we don't speak to them, let alone ask them to follow you. you, you you're a rabbi, you're a man held in high esteem. <laughs> like, like it's bad enough that you talk to him. Now you want him to come hang out with us? Uh, I, I, that's, that's not how it works. That's not how this whole thing works. Jesus, you, you, you just, you, you don't say follow me to a tax collector. You, you just, you just, you, you don't, you don't do that. The thing that I love about this whole thing is, did you notice what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't say to him, hey, Matthew, if you do this, this, and this, and sort some things out in your life, I'll come back in a week. And if you've got your act together, then you can come follow me. He didn't say to him, hey, if you quit being a tax collector and you do this and do that, then you can come follow me. Jesus did not tell him anything that he needed to do about his life other than come follow me. Why is it that we overcomplicate this? Why is it that we overcomplicate the whole thing about Christianity? Why is it that the world seems to have been sold the story by the church that it believes that it has to get itself together before it can come? Matthew didn't even believe right now, yet he was invited to follow. Jesus just said to him, man, come follow me. And then the cool thing is, is Matthew gets up and follows him. As you can imagine the disciples, wait, 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 wait. Because you've got to understand, there's not only Jesus' followers, but there's all the religious people, all the Pharisees walking around watching what he's doing. 
Can you imagine their reaction? It's, sorry, it's not that simple. No, it's, 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 he, no, it's, this has to be sorted, this has to be sorted out first. It's, it's, you, you can't do this. It's, it can't be that simple, yet when I read through scripture, following Jesus is that simple. Come, follow me, and then you choose to follow. He gets up, and he starts to follow. It was a formal invitation to a tax collector to become a rabbi's disciple. It's just crazy. Like, it's just ridiculously, like, the religious people of the day would have just, there would have been blood vessels bursting in their heads right now, trying to get their head around how this could be, let alone his followers. The religious people having heart attacks. He's a tax collector. You can't just say, follow me, and he follows. He's a tax collector. He's got stuff he's got to sort out first. And then Jesus just takes it to a whole nother level when it comes to verse 10. Because it says here in verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew, he says, whoa, hold on a second here. First of all, you talk to a tax collector, then you invite him to follow you, and now you're going to his house for dinner? I love how simple Jesus does it. Because he says, hey, Matthew, come follow me. And he comes to follow him, and Matthew's like, well, what are we doing now? I'm going to go to your house for dinner. Just made it really, really simple. Made it really, really easy and comfortable for Matthew. And he goes to Matthew's house and it says, Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Because you've got to remember, Matthew was an outcast. He only hung around with tax collectors and sinners because nobody else would hang out with him. So he's like, man, I've got Jesus coming over my house for dinner. I better get all my mates over. So all the tax collectors come and all the sinners come. What I think is really, really funny about this in scripture is that it says tax collectors and sinners. It was almost like tax collectors have their own category outside of sinners. Tax collectors are so bad, don't label them in with me. I'm just a sinner. I'm not a tax collector. Don't put us in the same kind of category. Can you, but can you imagine the questions coming out of the followers, the questions coming out of the Pharisees? It's like, uh, what, you, you, you're going to his house for dinner? With other tax collectors? Uh, this, is, this just doesn't make sense. This is just crazy. I mean, you know, I might be a sinner, but at least I'm not a tax collector. Here's the thing about Jesus that I love so much, is Jesus was prepared to go somewhere. I want you to hear this this morning, because it should speak to us. Jesus was prepared to go somewhere which may ruin his reputation so that he could connect and relate with Matthew and his friends. Jesus was prepared to ruin his reputation to reach the lost, to reach people that needed him, to reach people that were away from him. These guys were outcasts of the religious system. They didn't even bother to try and do Jesus said. They just, you know, eat, drink, and have a blast. They didn't even try to be religious in any way. And the incredible thing is, and, and this is what I love so much about Jesus, is Jesus was incredibly comfortable with people that weren't anything like him. Jesus was incredibly comfortable with people that weren't anything like him. And here's the crazy thing. People that weren't anything like him were incredibly comfortable with Jesus. We, we, we treat the world sometimes like it's something to be avoided 
Jesus treated it like it was something to be engaged. And when they engaged with him, the son of God, God in human form, pure, without sin, they did not feel judged by him, they felt comfortable around him. I don't know what sort of church experience you've had or, or what experiences you've had coming up through church, but can I say this to you today? If we as a church, if someone, if us, uh, you don't feel loved and accepted by us, if you come into church and you don't feel loved and accepted by us in any way, way shape, or form, please don't blame our Savior. Blame us, because it's our fault. Because sinners felt incredibly comfortable around Jesus. And so if they don't feel comfortable here, it's our fault. It's not our Savior's fault. Goes on and Verse 11, it says, when the Pharisees saw this, you can imagine the religious people, yeah? Just going, just going nuts. You know, they're like, because ah! it goes against everything that they've ever been taught, which is Jesus says do this and Jesus says do that. When they saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They were confused because they're like, how can this how can this holy man, how can this rabbi eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why would he choose to be with people nothing like him when, when he could be with us, when he could be hanging out with us? Us holy people, us people that are keeping the law, us people, he could be hanging out. Why would he want to hang out with them when he could hang out with us? They were just so confused and it goes on in verse 12, and it says, of Jesus, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And you can imagine, it's not like Jesus went outside, because the Pharisees were outside. And they were getting the disciples to come inside to ask Jesus, what was he doing, eating with sinners and tax collectors? But it doesn't say that Jesus went outside to talk to them. It just says that he probably stayed at his table and said, yo, I'm not here for the healthy, I'm here for the sick. Can you imagine Matthew sitting beside him? Uh, did, did, did you just call me sick? Did, did you just say me and my friends are sick? You can imagine Jesus is so good at offending people. He's going to offend the Pharisees in a minute, but he's just so good. He's just like, and I can imagine, I mean, I'm, this is just my imagination, but I can imagine Matthew kind of having that look of, you just called me sick, and Jesus going, come on, Matt. You're a tax collector. You know you're sick. You know you're sick. <laughs> She's like, wait, man, you're a guest in my house. <laughs> and you're calling me sick? <laughs> and Matthew was like, probably by the time you said, Matt, you're a tax collector. He's probably, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm sick. I'm sick. I want you to listen to me for a minute because... Really easy to turn around and say Matthew's sick, but the reality is, friend, we're all sick. We're all sick. Every single one of us is sick. We know there's something not quite right with us or not quite right with our lives. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to be honest this morning, even as a parent, I'm not consistent. I'm not consistent with the rules that I set for my children. I don't even live by some of the rules that I get my kids to live by. Don't look shock horror at me because you're exactly the same. Some of us are, are bosses that expect things from our employees that we don't even do ourselves. We're all sick. Yeah? Let's not be so pompous that we act like that we're all good. We break even our own rules. And every single one of us knows that we're broken God's rules. We're all sick. In fact, I would like to put it this way, is that Jesus is like, I'm here with the sick because the sick people need me. He's not being judgmental. He's saying, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. And I think we spend so much time trying to convince ourselves that we're not sick, that Jesus can't help us. When really he's just saying, he's not even saying you need to get this stuff sorted out. We cover our sickness because we think we've got to get some things sorted out. But Jesus never asked Matthew to sort anything out. He just said, come follow me, man. Come follow. Just follow. See, I believe with all my heart that only people that are able to look in the mirror and say, I need help. I'm a little sick here, Jesus, and I need help. To me, those people are the candidates to be followers of Christ. Those people that are prepared to say, you know, I've got a little bit of sick about me. Those are the ones that I believe have the potential to be followers of Christ. You see, Jesus just offended the guys that were sick inside the house, but now Jesus is about to offend the guys outside the house. The Pharisees, the religious people. He's like, go tell these religious people in Matthew 9.13. But go, tell them this, but go and learn. There was a really massive insult to the Pharisees because all the Pharisees did was learn. All they ever did was read the Scriptures. All they ever did was learning. It was so offensive to them because he's basically saying to them, you don't know anything. There's something you don't know about God. And these guys had committed their whole entire lives to learning about God. I love that. He just didn't care who was there. He's like, let me tell you something. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, he's saying, I'm not content to just hang around with the people that believe the right things and do the right things, and behave in the right things. And I'm not content just to hang out with people that behave the right ways, but I want to join with people. I want to join with people that believe the right things and do the right things in order that we may get to hang out with people who don't know the right things so that we can lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's really saying to them, it's, it's not that I don't care about you, but you're on the outside of the house instead of the inside of the house. And people that get caught up in their religious, legalistic idealisms of what Christianity is usually end up the people outside the house questioning what God's doing in the life of a sinner when God's transforming it because they're so stuck in their head about Jesus says that they don't understand that Jesus said, follow me. We dare not become a church that is content to gather together and believe the right things and behave the right way and stop there. Because if we do, 
we will find ourselves standing outside of the house, just like the Pharisees found themselves standing outside of the house, of the very room that Jesus was inhabiting. Why? Because he comes to call the sick and those that need a savior. And we should be right in that room with him, making sure that we're doing the same thing. You know, I don't want to pastor a church. I don't even want to attend a church. And I certainly don't want my family to be part of a church that is all about believing the right way, behaving the right way, and forgetting that we've been called to partner with Jesus Christ, our Savior, for those that don't know him and they need something. And the reality is, friend, I'm telling you now, if you talk to most people in our community, they know they're sick. They know they need something. They don't need to be told, Jesus says. They need to be told, come follow. As Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a big call because it means that now I have to watch myself about how I follow. We have been called and given the privilege to partner with God for those that know they need a Savior. We are so blessed. But they need to feel like they belong before they believe. You know, the disciples belonged before they believed. You see, you don't have to change to join us. You don't have to believe right. You don't have to behave right to join Jesus. Jesus says this, join us. Follow me, and then you'll change. We, we, we live in a world with a community, for some reason, the church, when I say the church, I'm not meaning this, I'm meaning the church, and I'm meaning for years gone by, that the community has got this perception to be part of the church means I have to change before I get there. But Jesus taught, just come follow me, tax collector and all, just come follow me. And as you follow me, then you'll change. You don't have to get right to follow me. You just have to follow me. And in following me, you'll become right. Matthew, follow me. But but Jesus, he's a tax collector. Yep. But Jesus says to the Pharisees, you know what? I don't play your game. I don't play your religious game. I don't play the do right, behave right, say right. I play the just follow me. Just follow me. I'm just going to give you four prerequisites of people if you're going to become a follower of Jesus. Is that cool? We're going to finish on that. If you're going to follow Jesus, you need these four things in your life. Number one is this. Being a sinner does not disqualify you. It's a prerequisite. You actually can't follow Jesus if you're not a sinner. I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> Woo! I meet the club. Yeah, it's like entrance into the club. Be a sinner. Yep, I'm in. Every person Jesus asked to follow him was a sinner, and they all said yes. The only people that resisted Jesus were the Pharisees, were the religious people, those who thought that they were perfect, but in reality they were less than perfect. The great thing about following Jesus is if you're a sinner, you're in. It's awesome. It's it's a prerequisite. 
The second thing about following Jesus is being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. Because there are some people that are like, you know what, I think Jesus is a cool guy. I kind of agree with some of the things that the Bible says, like do not murder, do not steal. Those are good things. Jesus was a good man. He taught good things. So they're actually not believers, but they're kind of trying to follow. And here's the great thing about Jesus is that you don't, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you from following him. You can still follow him. And I, I don't know, maybe there's people here today that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You don't have to do that to start to follow him. I, I dare you to pick up your, a Bible and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and just see some of the things that he says about how to treat people and how to live your life and, and try to do that and see what happens to you. you. You actually don't have to be a believer to follow him because none of Jesus' earliest followers believed. In fact, Jesus spent most of his time saying to his disciples, oh, you unbelieving generation, how long do I have to put up with you? Do you know it was two years into their discipleship before one of them said, we believe you are Christ, the son of the living God. Two years. What were they doing for those two years? Here he is healing people, setting people free, delivering people left, right, and center, and it took them two years before one of them said, we actually believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. Being a sinner is a prerequisite. Number three, the invitation to follow is purely an invitation to relationship. It's, Jesus doesn't invite you to follow rules. Jesus doesn't invite you to play Jesus says. You know why? Because rules don't make relationships. Well, how can you say that? Because I, I know I've done marriage counseling. And I've had couples come into my office where they keep all the rules of marriage. They do all the right things of marriage, but there's no relationship. They're, they're, they're talking about getting divorced because they do all the rules, but there's no relationship. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like the fact that sometimes what makes my relationship with Trinity so good is that sometimes she breaks the rules. Adds a little bit of spice. Um, and Jesus does that God breaks the rules oh no he doesn't yeah he does when he decides he's going to wipe out all of Israel Moses stands in between him and the people and pleads on their behalf that he won't do it so he changes his mind God breaks the rules sometimes when Jesus when the woman caught in adultery was thrown in front of him completely naked You've got to remember the new covenant hadn't kicked in yet. We weren't under covenant of grace because he hadn't died on the cross yet. Yet Jesus said, he who's without sin cast the first stone. Under the law, she should have been stoned right there, but Jesus broke the rules. See, Jesus is not about rules. Jesus is about relationship. And he turns to the woman caught in adultery and he says to her, what does he say to her? Go and sin no more. Actually, what he says to her in the Greek is, go and be whole, body, mind, and spirit, and don't do this anymore because He's really saying, you don't need to be this kind of person. Go and be who I created. Well, woman at the well, changed her life. Jesus always breaks the rules. He shouldn't have gone and spoken to a Samaritan woman, let alone a woman. He should have avoided Samaria altogether, but Jesus breaks the rules because Jesus is not a rule maker. He's a relationship maker. He wants a relationship with you, not rules. 
Rules is the Old Testament. It's the law. And the Bible says that we could never, ever live up to it. So he sent his son to die on the cross so that we don't have to live up to rules, but we just have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the fourth thing about following Jesus, is when we follow, when we truly follow, and when I say follow, I don't mean read your Bible more, pray more, you can do all that, the Pharisees did all that, but they were not followers. I'm not saying don't do that, I'm saying do it in relationship. But follow forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. When I choose to follow God, it causes me to focus on where I'm at rather than where you're not at. Because I'm so busy focusing on following that I don't have time to look at where you're not following. If we spend all our time looking at where others are not following, then friend, there's a word for you and it's called a Pharisee. See, when I become aware of my own responsibility to follow, I don't have time to judge your following because I'm focused on my following. And so my question to you this morning, church, is are you following Jesus? Because it's not about praying more, reading your Bible more, attending church more. All those things are incredibly important and you should do all of those things because it helps to build a relationship But if you're doing all those things to tick your boxes and I followed all the rules and I've done all the Jesus says stuff, then friend, at the end of it, the Bible says this, Jesus even said this one day, they said, but we did, we prophesied in your name, we healed the sick in your name, we did all this. And what does Jesus say? Get away from me, I never knew you. Really what he's saying is that's cool that you healed the sick and it's cool that you cast out demons, but we were never in relationship. You kept all the rules, but you never built relationship. Because to follow is to be in relationship. And the only way to be in relationship is to be in close proximity. And he says to Matthew, follow, follow me. You don't have to do anything else, Matt. You don't have to fix this or fix that. And you, don't even, you didn't even say to him, you have to stop being a tax collector. He just said, Matthew, come follow me. Zacchaeus, remember, was up in the tree and Jesus is about to walk through the town and he sees him up the tree and he says to him, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house tonight for dinner. Zacchaeus, a tax collector, hated by everybody. Jesus just has dinner with the guy, doesn't tell him that he's got to fix his life, doesn't tell him what he should do or shouldn't do. But just because he had Jesus in his house, Zacchaeus gets up and declares I'm going to pay back four times what I've taken from people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, make things right. I'm going to get my life sorted out. Jesus never asked him to. Jesus never said to him, Zacchaeus, this is what you need to do. You need to follow these things. The only person he said that to that I can remember in Scripture was the rich young ruler that says, I have kept all the laws, all the laws. And Jesus never said he hadn't. But Jesus said to him, this one thing you need to do, go and sell all that you have and then come and follow me. The only person that he gave instructions to about what they needed to do was the guy who thought that he was perfect because he had kept the laws. But to the sick, it was like, man, I'm going to come to your house. We're going to have dinner. And then because of relationship, 
You're going to join me and then you're going to come right because you're following me. And as you follow me, the Bible says this, when you walk with the wise, you grow wise. And just by following and being in close proximity, your life just changes. Your life just changes. Rules make burdens. Relationship makes a light yoke and an easy burden. Because we know in relationship, God loves me and I love Him regardless of whether I've managed to think right, act right, and do right. I know that as I follow Him, I'll eventually come right as I follow Him. So I don't know what your experience of church life has been, but if it has been Jesus says, then friend, I want to pray for you this morning that we just break that off your life. We break off that religiousness. We break off that legalistic view. And then you just step into this light yoke, light burden of, man, I know all I got to do is just be in close proximity to my Savior. I just got to follow Him and I'll just change automatically because I'm around Him. Just like Matthew, just like Zacchaeus, just like Peter, James and John and all the other guys that were close to Him because it's about relationship. It's about follow me. And so Matthew followed. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Just while every eye is closed, I want to ask you this morning, man, have you, like me, fallen into the trap of Jesus says and fallen out of the pathway of just following Jesus? Maybe you grew up in church and all you can remember is all the rules or maybe you were in a church and your parents were divorced and, and the church just handled that really badly. Or maybe you've gone through divorce and the church has handled it really badly and you felt like you can't really be part of the family of God because of this, that and the other. Friend, that's rules. It's not relationship. I want you to understand that you are welcome here no matter what your background, no matter what your sexual identity, no matter anything else, you are welcome in this place because in this place, you get to belong before you believe. In this place, you get to feel comfortable and be a follower of Christ before you need to believe. I want to tell you this morning that you are welcome here. Everything about you, it's just come follow me. Tax collectors and all, just come follow 